last week. So we started a new series, a Christmas series, last week called It's Christmas with Red Cups, Black Fridays, and Happy Holidays. And so we looked at, last week, as we opened up the series, we looked at some of the the frustrating things, the things that can frustrate us as Christians celebrating Christmas in our culture, in, in, in the good old U.S. of A., in America, right? And how there's some things that can kind of, especially when other Christians get uh, kind of bent out of shape and their, and their feathers ruffled, uh, there's some things that come up that we go, what do I do with this? Is this a big deal or is this not a big deal? Yeah, this is a big deal, or no, it's not. And so we opened this up last week, and we kind of had the backdrop of uh, some Christians' outrage over Starbucks using plain red cups instead of cups that had Christmas stuff on them, okay? So that was kind of the backdrop of our discussion last week. And what we did was we looked at Matthew 23 and how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees to give us a little bit of understanding, a little bit of insight. Like the, the red cups thing is just the latest thing, right? It's just the latest scandal of our time. There'll be other things soon. So how do we, how do we recognize what's a big deal and what's not a big deal? And so in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he accuses them of straining out gnats, but sw- like little bugs, right? Straining out gnats, but swallowing camels, right? And what he means by that is you're making a really big deal out of small things and you're missing the really, really big things, right? That's what he's talking about with that. And so last week, as we kind of wrestle with all this stuff in our culture, I said, what if, I, I challenge you to say, what if we asked ourselves just a few questions before we, you know, got on our soapbox and got on Facebook and Twitter and started ranting about something or, you know, call our neighbors or whatever it is, what if we just asked ourselves a few questions? And so the first question I challenged us with last night, or last week, is, is this thing, like, as we, as we, as we see something that's kind of ruffling our feathers, is this a camel or is this a gnat? Right? That was the first question that we talked about last week. It's easy to get worked up over things and allow our emotions to get stirred up sometimes before our brains kick in, right? Like it's easy for us to do that. But as far as the truth of Christianity goes, is this a big deal or is this not a big deal? Like not everything's a big deal, right? It's true. Not, every, not everything is a, is a camel. There's some things that are gnats, right? There's some things that are smaller deals. In fact, there's some things that aren't even gnats that we make into gnats. They're no deal. They're not even just a small deal. They're no deal. But then there's other things that are a big deal. There's other things that are camels. You know, the Bible has a lot of camels. Christianity has a lot of camels. One of them is the Bible. We believe in the truthfulness of the Bible. We believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to God, to the Father. Uh, we believe that we're saved by grace through faith alone, right? Grace alone through faith alone. Those are camels for us, right? But then there's a lot of things that aren't camels. They're gnats. And so to ask ourselves that question, is this a camel or is this a gnat? That's the first thing. Second thing we talked about last week, I said, am I clear whose kingdom I'm living in? Am I clear whose, as we're we're kind of evaluating culture, am I clear whose kingdom that I'm living in? Jesus himself is pretty clear in John 12 and John 14 that the ruler of this world is Satan. It's Satan. Sometimes we can forget that. Sometimes we can get confused about that. Now, it doesn't mean that, that God is powerless. It doesn't mean that God is absent. It means that God is growing his kingdom, his kingdom, within Satan's kingdom, one heart at a time. That's what God is doing. 
See, we live in a secular world. This is not a Christian country. This is not a Christian world. We shouldn't expect people who aren't Christians to act like Christians. Like That's nonsensical, right? That's silly for us. And if we're not careful, and if we forget whose kingdom we're living in, we can start to get frustrated with our world. And we could start to hate our world instead of doing what Jesus calls us to do in this world. Which leads to the third question that we talked about last week. So is this a camel or is this a gnat? Am I clear whose kingdom I'm living in? And then we said, before we jump on our, on our, on our pedestal, on our soapbox, we said, what if we just asked ourselves, am I drawing people to Jesus or away from Jesus? Because I, as this stuff comes up, if I make a big deal, if I take a stand on it, is it going to draw people to him or is it going to push people away from him? If we could just stop and ask ourselves that little question before we act or before we react, imagine how that would change our world's perception of what Christianity is and who Christians are. The whole point of Christmas, the whole reason that Jesus came was to save the world, right? Not condemn the world. It's to save the world. We can be really good at condemning the world. Our mission from Jesus is to be a part of him saving it, right? Not to condemn it. So before we make a big deal out of something, can we just ask ourselves if making a big deal out of this is going to pull people toward Christ or if it's going to push them away from Christ? That's what we talked about last week, right? If you missed it, I would encourage you. I had a couple people ask me this. Um, They were surprised that this was true. Like All this is online, by the way. So we have a website and all the sermons and stuff. The, The songs aren't online for copyright reasons, but the sermons are online. If you missed it last week, I'd encourage you to go check it out online. Plain Red Cups. So this week, our launching pad is Black Fridays. So I want you to take a little look at this video. Clear your calendars, chug that coffee, and wake the kids. Because this Friday is Black Friday at Mega Mart. Black Friday. It's the biggest shopping day of the year, and we're giving you incredible savings with... Mega Mart's 12-Minute Madness. This is the shortest, craziest sale in retail history. You have just 12 minutes to rush in and grab all the deals you can carry. It's going to be a saving stampede. Saving stampede. Gorebuster specials like iPads for $39. 3D televisions for $71. And a secret, unpublished Harry Potter. Potter novel, Harry Potter and the Treacherous Crawl Space, is available for only six bucks. And there's only seven left, so line up early because we're starting at 4 a.m. Crack it off. That's right, coked up rooster. At 4 a.m., we will fling our doors open to anybody and everybody just as soon as we finish waxing and mopping the floors. Slide into saving. All the best deals are located in the very back of the store down a narrow aisle packed with merchandise. Firehazard. And to make room for more customers, we've removed our security guards. People have already started camping out in the tailgate sponsored by Four Loco, America's premier hillbilly and solo fuel. If you show up too late, you will be humiliated. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to get the truck back 12, finished in the flesh as a scrapbooking kit. I've steeled myself, my state's in order, and I've made peace with my God and those around me. So I'll get the 12 by 12, finished in the flesh as a scrapbooking kit. Just do wait. Whoa, what a day for shopping. Your shopping boards can only be slowed by one thing, boxes. So everyone in our Mega Mart 12-minute frenzy will get a free box cutter at the door. Free box cutter. And to keep your energy up, we've hired DJ Thunderthrust, one of the top death metal DJs in the tri-state area. He'll be playing music so loud. No one can hear. You scream. Finally, we're proud to have 93-year-old actor Kirk Douglas on hand to sign copies of his book, The Ragman's Son. Kirk will be hidden somewhere in the store, and the first three customers to find him and touch him will win one free Kindle. Catch him, touch him, win. So strap on your combat boots and start running 
for Black Friday's 12-Minute Madness at Megamart. This is happening! <laughs> this is happening! Get it, do it, own it, Megamart! Oh, boy. There's a lot of truth to that, right? That cracks me up. All right, be honest. Who went Black Friday shopping this year? Don't be... Oh, don't... Yeah, two hands. Don't be shy. Holidays can be absolutely crazy time of year, right? Like crazy. Like you're searching around trying to find the perfect gift for people. I was at, I was at a uh, gift exchange a few years ago, and this was somebody's idea of the perfect gift for us. You know what that is? That's a little plastic bear that when you soak it in water and then you take it out, it pees all over the place. <laughs> that was somebody's perfect gift, right? Holidays could be crazy. You, you, you see the shopping. You go shopping and you see like these vast crowds of people. You uh, see the Christmas decorating. Some people go a little overboard, right? Like amazing stuff. I heard there's a house in Wadsworth that's like out of control. I had a friend that was driving through Hartville and he took this picture. Merry Christmas doesn't always go well, right? It can be crazy or you have big fancy meals, right? Christmas can be exhausting. It can be an absolutely crazy time of year. And if we're not careful, we can get focused on all of the stuff of Christmas and actually miss out on the real power of Christmas. Actually miss out on the one, the person about whom Christmas is all about. You ever wonder what Jesus would think of like all of the stuff that's part of the hustle and bustle of our Christmas? You ever wonder about that? Like what would he what would he think about that? There's actually a little story in the Bible about two people that I think we can learn a lot about as we wrestle with Christmas and all of the stuff, all of the the Black Fridays and the busyness of things happening for us. It's about two young ladies, uh, actually they're two sisters, that were very dear to Jesus. And their names are Mary and Martha. And so I want to look at this little, short little passage. If you want to flip there, you're welcome to. It's in Luke chapter 10, uh, 38 to 42, five little verses. Otherwise, we're going to throw it on the screen. If it's easier for you to see it that way, that's fine. But this is what it says. Luke chapter 10, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked to to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus says this. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. He says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's an interesting little story, isn't it? Martha kind of makes me chuckle a little bit here because, like, people are people. Whether you're, you know, from 2,000 years ago living in the Middle East or today living in the Midwest, people are people. Jesus, what, I'm doing all the work here. Tell my sister to get up and to help me, right? People are just people. Well, as I was studying this week, this passage, there's some things that really, it was just interesting to me. Like, one of the blessings of being, of, of when you teach is you get to kind of dig in a little bit deeply. So I want to I share some of this stuff with you as we kind of look at this passage. And then when we're done with that, I want to apply 
apply to our lives? Like, what does it look like for us to take this living in our culture right now about to celebrate Christmas, all the hoopla of Christmas? How do we apply this to our context? Okay. So first thing I noticed, this this is interesting to me. Um, These two ladies have a brother too. So this is Mary and Martha, right? Mary and Martha have a brother as well. And Jesus loved their brother. Jesus loved their brother. And sometime later after this story, Jesus did perhaps his most amazing miracle, like the most amazing display of his power, maybe after himself rising from the dead, right? He showed this, did this amazing thing with their brother. His name was Lazarus. You can read about this in John chapter 11. Their brother Lazarus, so this is after the little, the little passage that we read. Lazarus died. And it's four days later, and Jesus raises him from the dead. One of the most, maybe the most amazing miracle that Jesus does. This is the same Mary and Martha who they, he raised their brother Lazarus. Second, when it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening, this is, we can kind of miss this in our culture. This is the normal position, posture of a disciple in the Bible. So you see this in other places in the Bible. Sort of this physical expression of how a disciple looks up to their teacher, to their rabbi, or to their master or to their Lord, right? They, they sit at their feet and they look up to them and they listen to them. And so she sat at the feet. Mary sat at the feet of her master, focused on him, listening to every word that he was saying. Martha, on the other hand, was what? Distracted, right? That word that's translated as distracted, it's, it's interesting. What it means is to be drawn away from. So to be drawn away from something, to be driven out of focus mentally. This is what it means. To be driven out of focus mentally and to be over-occupied, to be busy, right? So you're focused on something and then you're distracted by a lot of things and you lose your focus and you focus on something else. Something not as important. That's what, that's what being distracted is all about. And for Martha, this distraction, this misplaced focus caused her to become worried, to become anxious, to become disturbed, troubled in mind. That's what it means. Which is really interesting and insightful because I've experienced the exact same thing. You know, like when I get when I get distracted and my focus gets misplaced, it's really easy for me to, to start to worry about things. You know, it's really easy for me to become anxious about things. Because I, you know, if I'm focused on the Lord, the stuff in my life, I still got stuff going on in my life, right? But it's not as big. But when I get distracted from the Lord and I start focusing on these other things, I've experienced exactly what Martha experience. It's easy to get worried. It's easy to make our circumstances much bigger than they really were. Anybody else ever feel that way? Yeah. So when Martha gets frustrated, she asks Jesus to tell her sister, you know, to to get up off her butt and to help her, right? And so then Jesus, what he does is he corrects Martha. And, you know, it's tough when we're reading the Bible. It's tough to tell, like, tone and inflection, right? It's kind of tough to understand that. But when I read that, I see Jesus saying that in such a loving way. Like, he's correcting her, but he's doing it gently, which I appreciate because I can be a little bit like Martha sometimes, right? Like, I can be a little distracted. You know, we can get so much much stuff going on in our lives. And so he says to her, he says, Martha, you're upset about so many things, but, but they're unnecessary. They're, they're superfluous. They're unneeded things. You're getting worked up over stuff that in the big picture is nothing. There's really only one thing, Martha, that's worthy of your focus here. And Mary's found it. And it's me. And I'm not going to take it away from her. 
Jesus says, Mary has chosen what's better. Uh, Another translation, we use the NIV translation here, which is a great, accurate translation. There's another one that's a little bit more word-for-word translation from the Greek to English. It's called the ESV. It says it a little bit differently. I like it. It says, Mary has chosen the good portion, or the best portion which will not be taken away from her. Which again, it's kind of, it's easy to just gloss over that, but that's actually, Jesus is very likely referencing some Old Testament passages, Old Testament Psalms passages that talk about God being our portion. So like Psalm 73 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my, of my heart and my portion forever. God, you are my portion forever and ever. Can't be taken away, right? Psalm 142 says, I cry to you, Lord, I say, you're my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So Mary recognized that Jesus was Lord. She's sitting at at his feet, right? Looking up to him, hanging on his every word. He was her portion, okay? It's interesting. I I, I think we all can have a tendency to kind of be like Martha. Maybe you disagree with me. But I think we all can have a tendency to be like Martha sometimes. And I've already shared, I I can do that. You know, life life happens, and it's very easy to get distracted and start focusing. Sometimes it's hard to prioritize, right? And you start focusing on, like, all of the stuff of life. And then before you know it, you're kind of missing out on the things that are most important. It's funny, when we have holidays over at our house, we, um, like, say Christmas or something, we'll have people over, and I'll be, like, with people, you know, like, I'll be sitting on the couch talking to people, like, engaged in a, in a conversation with my brother or whatever, hearing what's going on in his life, telling him what's happening in my life, you know, time's flying, just enjoying the time, and it'll be, like, two, three hours later, and I'll be like, where's Marsha? I wonder, where, I wonder what she's been doing. I haven't seen her for like two, three hours. And I'll get up, and, and Marsha's been making the food. Marsha's been cleaning up the food. You know, she's making sure everybody's drinks are filled. She's putting together little to-go containers, right? Like, that's what, that's what Marsha's doing while I'm enjoying people. So I like to mess with my wife. So uh, I, I, I've probably done this a dozen times since we've been married. So I'll be like, hey, my wife's name's Marsha. So I'll be like, hey, Martha, why don't you come over here and hang out with us? The dishes will be there later, sweetheart. This is good for a marriage, right? When people are slaving to make a good experience for everybody else, it's really good to kind of make fun of them a little bit, especially with a biblical reference. It's good for your marriage if your wife doesn't kill you first. But I think we all have a tendency here, don't we? Like we have, we have a tendency to get distracted and fill our lives with stuff that's not that big a deal, with the things that are less important. And when we do that, they can, we can very easily become focused on those things and miss the stuff that is a big deal, like in the big picture that is important. And I think, guys... This is especially true at Christmas. Man, it's especially true at Christmas. So what can we learn? Like, what can we get from Mary and Martha as we kind of march into the Christmas season this year? Well, I got a few things that um, are takeaways that I want you to just kind of consider for tonight, for this week, as you're kind of wrestling with, with all of the distractions and all of the festivities of Christmas. I said earlier, like, I wonder what Jesus would think of all of the hoopla, you know, of all of the, the festivities of Christmas, you know, the, the, the decorating and the shopping and giving gifts and parties and fancy meals. I wonder what Jesus would think about that. Well, you know, I, I actually don't think Jesus would be against any of that stuff. I really don't. I don't think Jesus would be against any of that. As I read the Bible, 
I see a Jesus who like seemed to enjoy a good party. You know, like a lot of times we can think of Jesus as like this somber, stoic guy who was always preaching about judgment. But that's not the Jesus that I read about in the Bible. You know, that's that's not who Jesus is. In fact, you read John chapter two, a little bit of a controversial verse. You read you read John chapter two. Jesus is the guy that brings wine to the wedding, right? The very first miracle he does is turning water into wine. I don't think he's doing it to get everybody drunk, but he's doing it to celebrate a wedding. Like it's a party. Jesus is a guy that enjoyed a good party. Personally, I don't think Jesus would have problem with Santa Claus either. I, I just don't. I think he'd have fun with the celebrations and the festivities of Christmas. They just wouldn't be his focus. They just wouldn't be his focus. And they can't be ours either. So here's the first takeaway that I have. If you have a pen, maybe you want to write this down. Enjoying Christmas festivities isn't wrong. I don't think it's wrong. As long as it's not our main focus. It's all kinds of fun stuff, right? Like we don't have to be sticks in the mud. Is that the expression, stick in the mud? We don't have to be sticks in the mud with it. It's not wrong to enjoy the festivities of Christmas as long as it's not our main focus. See, this is where Martha gets into trouble here. She's missing the most important thing because she's caught up in the lesser important things. Doing all of the stuff that needs to happen to, to make Jesus feel comfortable, to be a good hostess, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem was, she was focusing on the non-essentials and she was missing the big deal. Martha seems like she was like a perfectionist, you know, which I can relate to. Sometimes I can be a perfectionist as well. Probably she loved Jesus. I'm sure she did. She believed who Jesus said he was, what he said about the world. I'll bet her intentions were very, very good, but she got distracted. She got distracted. And in her focus, she was in her focus on the non-essential things, she was missing the one who was the most important and was right there in front of her. And guys, if we're not careful, we can do this as well. Right? Like, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in all of the stuff of Christmas. And we can get, we can get focused on the incredible deal, the incredible Black Friday deal we got at Kohl's, or, you know, that our, our house is decorated like the Griswolds, and we can miss what this season is all about. I think anyone would struggle to make a case that, you know, do, that celebrating these uh, Christmas traditions and festivities is wrong. I think you'd struggle to make that argument as long as our focus and our attention and our heart is on the one about whom Christmas is all about. Here's what I'd ask you, like as you're sitting there thinking about this. Here's what I'd ask you. What's your focus this Christmas? You know, as we go about all of the stuff that we got going on for these next couple weeks, what's your focus this Christmas? Think about the time that you spend on Christmas things. Like, not the rest of life, but just think about the time that you spend on Christmas things. The the getting gifts, the wrapping, the, the Christmas parties, the decorating, all of that sort of stuff. With all of the time that you spend on Christmas stuff, like, how much time do you spend with God? How much time do you spend thinking about the one whom Christmas is all about? Focusing on Jesus, you know? And what an incredible thing it is that God the Son became flesh and blood in that dirty little stinky barn 2,000 years ago with one purpose. He did it with one purpose, to live and die for rotten, sinful, inherently flawed people like you and me who are absolutely loved by him. Who are, who are absolutely precious in his sight. Like, 
how much time do you spend contemplating that? And, I, and guys, don't hear me wrong. I don't say this to make you feel guilty. That's, that's not at all what I'm talking about. But as we got all of this stuff going on, how much time do we spend thinking about him? About the one who is the reason for the Christmas season? You know, do, do we read about him? Do we pray to him? Do we talk to each other about him? Do we think about how different our world would be if he didn't come? Do we think about how completely unworthy we are of him and yet how completely loved by we are, we are by him? Guys, there's nothing wrong with, with having fun at Christmas, right? Nothing wrong with celebrating all of the Christmas traditions and festivities as long as it doesn't become our focus. Can't the holidays be like an incredibly stressful time of the year. I think Christmas is the most stressful time of the year for a lot of different people, worse than any other time. You ever wonder why? Sometimes we'll say, like, well, it's seasonal affective disorder. It gets dark early, and, you know, I'm, I don't think it's seasonal affective sad. I don't think it's sad, seasonal affective disorder. Guys, I think it's because we lose our focus on what's most important. Here's my second takeaway, and I really believe that this is true. If you find yourself frustrated, stressed, or depressed, you probably lost focus on what's most important. Like if, we, if we find ourselves frustrated and, and angry, short-tempered, stressed, depressed, I think it's a good indicator from God that we gotten distracted. We're, 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 we're not focusing on what we should be focusing on. Now, next week, we're going to look at this in much more depth. But for now, next week, so next week, we're going to talk about happy holidays, right? We're kind of doing each one of those each week. We're going to talk about what it looks like for us to have, to celebrate the holidays, to celebrate the joy of the Christmas season when life's not that happy, okay? But, but for now, look at verse 40. And back in Luke chapter 10, we'll throw it up on the screen. It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, he said, you're worried. You're upset about many things, but few are needed. Indeed, only one. See, Martha was distracted, right? She lost focus on the most important things, and it caused her to focus on all of the wrong stuff, and it upset her. I mean, think about times in your life when you were upset about something, like when you were stressed, when, when you were frustrated about something. Let me ask you a question. You got, got something in your mind? What was your focus during that time? Like, what were you, what were you focused on? What, was it the powerful God of the universe who's your protector, your redeemer, your savior, your heavenly father if you love Jesus? Or was it on your circumstances? Was it on anything else? Guys, Martha was distracted and we can get really, really distracted by things. And please don't hear me say, please don't hear me trying to make light of any of the hard things that we're going through. Many of us in here are going through really hard things right now. And I'm not in any way trying to make light of those things. I'm just saying that when our focus is on anything other than Jesus, those things can very quickly become bigger than they really are. Right? They can become more insurmountable, more depressing, right, than they really are in the big picture. And before we know it, it leads us to worry and anxiety and stress and anger and frustration. Let me ask you this. What if in those moments, like when we recognize that we're stressed, that maybe we're, we're distracted, we're focused on the wrong thing, what if we just paused? 
Like, what, what if we just pushed the pause button and we took our focus off those things and we started thinking about Jesus? We started thinking about God. We started thinking about what an incredible thing it is that God loves us and God sent Jesus for us. I've had times in my life that are really hard. And I remember feeling frustrated and angry and hurt and depressed and overcome by those things. Guys, when, we, when, I, when I changed focus and when I would choose to remember who Jesus is and what God has done for us in him, it's amazing how things change. It's amazing how things change. Your perspective changes. Your demeanor changes. Your stress level changes. Not always your circumstances, right? But your perspective on those circumstances. And God always walks with us through the hard things that we have to go through. Because this Christmas, when you start to feel all of the pressure, all of the stress, all of the hard things, maybe you start to feel depressed, Think about Jesus. Like, go, go be with him. Like, take a time out. Take a pause and go be with him and just see what happens. Whenever there's a party or, or something that involves food in my life, uh, I have this really bad habit that I'm trying to break. Um, there's just, like, something deep down inside of me that when I see um, somebody cutting cake or I see, like, a pizza box being opened, or I see a, a plate full of brownies, like, every time, it's like there's a tractor beam that pulls me in to the biggest piece. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always have to have, like, there's just something, I got a problem, I'll be honest with you, I got a problem. Like, that would be my piece of cake, you know what I'm saying? First step in admitting is, uh, to dealing with the problem is admitting it, right? I admit it. If I'm ever at a party with you with food, I apologize ahead of time. I got a problem. I always want the biggest piece. I always want the biggest portion. You know what's so cool about this passage that we've been looking at? Jesus promises that we can all, every single one of us, have the biggest and the best piece. We can have the best portion, and it will never be taken away from us. Jesus says to Martha, he says, Martha has chosen what is better and it will not be, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The more literal translation, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Guys, listen, Jesus is our best portion. Jesus is the best portion that any of us could ever have with anything in this life. Here, here's my, my third takeaway from this. It's really a question. Have you chosen Jesus as your portion this Christmas? In your life? Guys, I don't know where you're at. You know, I see eyes. I can't see what's going on inside of your mind. I can't see what's happening inside of your soul. But have you chosen Jesus as your portion? He doesn't force himself on any of us, right? We have to choose him. But the beautiful thing is every single one of us can have the best portion, the most significant thing that we could ever experience in this life if we want it. Like, what are you choosing in your life? There's lots of options for us. There's lots of other portions that we could have, right? Money, fame, power, sex, right? There's lots of stuff that we could be choosing as our portion. Guys, as we move into Christmas and we celebrate this time of year, like, what's your portion? What have you chosen? What is the most important thing in your life? 
Jesus offers himself to us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's like Jesus coming to us and saying, here's the best portion that you could possibly have. It's me. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is is take it. And the beautiful thing is, it can never be taken away from us. He says, uh, what Mary has chosen will not be taken away from her. She's chosen the best portion. Guys, he promises to be our portion forever. When we choose him, when we choose Jesus, no matter what we do, no matter how we struggle, no matter how bad of decisions we make, he will not leave us, he will not abandon us, he will not forsake us. He's ours forever and ever and ever. And you know what he does? When we receive the portion, when we receive him, he changes us. He makes us wiser. He gives us discernment. He gives us a capacity to love that's like inhuman, a capacity to forgive, to live generously. That's that's the portion that he offers us. Jesus is our portion if we choose him to be. So this Christmas, like as we move into all of, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to have so much stuff going on. I realize it. I get it. As we move into all of this stuff with Christmas, may I ask you, who is your portion? And would you consider Jesus amongst all of your options? Would you consider him this Christmas?